You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. Go ahead and take a load off and sit down just for a minute. Um, how are we doing today, by the way? Doing good? Good. Well, it's pretty awesome to see you guys today. And you know, uh, if you're new to church, I hope that you'll feel welcome here to come and just scope out some Christians in their natural habitat and seek God at your own pace and try and figure things out for yourself. In case you're coming here for the first time this year, we uh, are, are in a series called 21 Days of Prayer in which we're committing ourselves to pray first. So whatever's going on in our lives, uh, we want to pray first, right? So uh, before you do anything, before you get up in the morning, what do you want to do? You want to pray first, right? Um, before you ask that girl to marry you guys, what are you going to do? Pray first, right? You better pray first, right? And then ladies, before you say yes to that guy, you better pray first, right? Before you sign on those mortgage documents, you better pray first, right? I mean, you better pray first before you do a lot of things. You know, I was thinking last weekend uh, uh, that next year, when the Cowboys have their first playoff game next year, we better pray first, right? <laughs> we could have helped it there. Oh, I'm still hurting. But anyways, we made this declaration every week, and I hope you can help me with the declaration. I'll say the first part, you say the second part, um, and that is that prayer is my first response, not very good. And so we've also committed ourselves, many of us, to fast for 21 days during this series. In fact, we don't break our fast until next Sunday, and we fast so that we can grow deeper in our relationship and connection with God through our prayers. And some people are doing partial fasts, you know, uh, uh, fasting from like maybe meat or fasting from chocolate or bread or Coffee, boo, I don't like fasting for you know, I don't like that. So, uh, fasting from all kinds of stuff. Some are uh, fasting from like social media or TV or Netflix or whatever like that in order to focus. And I was just talking to someone earlier today who was like, yeah, I'm always checking my, but um, I check it and there's nothing to check, you know, because I deleted the app until we're done with the past. So um, I can check my Instagram, you know, like next Sunday. But uh, it, it's good to get us focused on something besides you know this, right? All the time we're focused on the Lord when we do without those things for a time. And remember, we, we learned a couple of weeks ago when we were teaching on fasting this, that, um, that Jesus says when you fast, you want to wash your face and comb your hair, right? And look good. So uh, I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them, you look good. Are you fasting? <laughs> so uh, someone said to someone next thing, if no one turned to you and said, you look good, you know, in the service earlier, someone said to someone next to him, you'd need to start fasting. Need to, uh, I didn't say it. But uh, last week, we got this plan for prayer. Remember that? The tabernacle plan. And I did that every day, and that helped me kind of break through into connection with God as a plan to get into the presence of God and experience Him. But today, we're going to deal with an issue that I've dealt with a, a fair amount in my prayer life in that have you ever felt like when you're praying that you're just doing a religious exercise and don't feel an energy towards it or a motivation towards your prayers. And one of the things that I learned from a pastor named Chris Hodges is that in every endeavor in our lives, including our prayer life, um, it goes from duty to discipline to delight. And so you start out praying because it's a duty. And then you get into the discipline of prayer, right? And then there's this delight that hits you. You're just so happy to be in the presence of God. You enjoy talking to him and listening to him in prayer. 
And that's where we all want to be, is we want to be in this place of delight where we just love being in the presence of God. And you know, I got to confess to you that part of the motivation for me to do this series, 21 Days of Prayer, is that I wanted to jumpstart my prayer life. Does anybody besides me ever want to just jumpstart something where you just get a new sense of energy in your prayers? And so speaking of jumpstarting, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of our cars wouldn't start. So I had to bust down out the jumper cables, right? And I connect the jumper cables to the car and get it started right up. Because we all know that our car can be perfectly fine. It can be functioning in every facet. The motor's good, you know, everything's good. But if you don't have battery power, it doesn't go anywhere. You're just going to sit where you're at. And it was like when I was jumping the car, I was in this state of continual prayer, right? And it's like God speaks through everything, doesn't he? And it's like he was giving me thoughts. You know, Doug, um, the Holy Spirit is to your prayer life kind of like the battery is to your car. It gives you this energy for it. It gives you the energy. And so does anybody besides me want some energy in your prayers where you've got some gumption in the midst of it? And that's what we're going to learn about today. And Paul knew this. That's why he said in Ephesians 6.18, and this is going to be our starting passage, and we're going to jump off uh, Ephesians 6 and go to like three other passages today. But he says, and pray in the what? Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? Um, how do I do it? And um, Because some of you know that um, praying in the Spirit is oftentimes connected with the gift of tongues, right? A lot of people have uh, praying in the Spirit and tongues in the same conversation. And so some of you are thinking, well, if I pray in the Spirit, does that mean I'm going to like speak in tongues and freak everyone out around me? You know, I'm going to go to church and be all should about a Honda, you know. So, uh, so uh, how does that work? Well, uh, and by the way, some of you are new to, to church and Bible talk and stuff, and so you're, what do you mean tongues? I mean, you know, uh, um, I'm thinking of a lot of jokes on that, but I'll hold them in. Um, but what is it? Speaking in tongues is when God miraculously gives someone a language that they've never spoken, and they can speak that. Now, I am going to deal with tongues here in a little bit, but before we do, um, we're going to look at some other passages to pr- try and figure out what it means to pray in the Spirit. And so let's start out in Romans. Look at chapter 8, verse 15 uh, on screen on your phone or, or your physical Bible. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sons, sonship, or I would add daughtership. And by him... We cry what? Abba, Father. And then verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You see, uh, wordless groans there. Now, when you pray in the Spirit is when you're praying Abba, Father, So this one way we pray in the Spirit is when we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, a lot of ministers like to make a big deal about this word, Abba, saying that it means Daddy. And that's kind of right. It's not exactly uh, right. There's actually no etymology to this word, Abba, to say that it means uh, for sure exactly Daddy. But I would liken it to this. Um, When you think about your grandparents, do you have a name for your grandparents? Like, uh, for me, growing up, it was Mimi and Pappy on one side, and it was Mama and Papa on the other side. Maybe it's a, a abuelo, abuelo, you know, for you. But I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them what you called your grandparents growing up. Go ahead. 
Wala. Wala, wala. Okay, when you think about grandma, are you automatically thinking about food? Okay, so anyways, we, you know, if we went around and we collected all the little pet names for uh, grandma and grandpa, we would probably come up with a lot of names today, would we not? I mean, there's a lot of names, but, but what it is, it's, it's a term of endearment, and I don't know that there is a word, you know, like uh, peepaw, you know, in the dictionary or whatever like that to study that word, but what we all know is that that's a term of endearment uh, as someone that we love and someone that we love to be around. You know, that is the way that God wants us to think of him. He's this loving parent that cares about us. Now, how many of you parents know that you really love your kids, not just when they obey you, but when they disobey you. Uh, you're exercising your love for them. I mean, I think about my kids, and if my kids were my employees, they would have been fired a long time ago, okay? Um, just this week, you know, please do the laundry, you know, for the millionth time. But uh, I can't say too much because uh, if I were the employee of my parents, they would have way fired me, okay? I would be in need of, 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 of a job there. Um, but don't you feel sorry for those people that think of God as like a CEO up in the sky who's just ready to fire them at any moment's notice? And when you and I pray to our Father, it's not praying to some cold, lifeless CEO up there somewhere, but it is just talking to our Abba, who's right here with us, that loves us and cares for us. So when we pray in the Spirit, we call him Abba. When you call him Abba, you're praying in the Spirit. That's what that, this is. Now, another way that Romans 8 tells us to pray in the Spirit is through cries and groans. He says, we cry out, Abba, Father, and it says that we groan with these words that, uh, actually, it's too deep for words. It's just this groaning. The Spirit intercedes for us, and many people see praying in the Spirit as like the victorious Christian life kind of thing, but actually, sometimes praying in the Spirit is a groaning from pain. It's not from victory. It's like, God, why am I in this pain? God, I don't even have anything to say. Just say, Argh! have you ever been so frustrated, like with someone or something, you're just like, you didn't have any words for them. You're just like, you know, come on, Argh! that's praying in the Spirit. Do you know that? Uh, according to Romans chapter 8. And I like what I learned from this uh, one pastor. He says, when you groan in the Spirit, you grow in the Spirit. When you groan in the Spirit, you grow in the Spirit. So Pastor Tim Keller, a guy from New York City um, that I like, uh, he's a pastor, and he says, praying in the Spirit is not a consumer's tool, but a refiner's fire. So sometimes when you're going through the fires of suffering, all you've got is a groan. It's like, uh, you're, you're growing in the Lord. You're praying in the Spirit. So what is the sound that a baby makes when it comes out, when he or she comes out of the womb? Well, they cry, right? They're just, wah. Well, you know what they're expressing there? Um, they're expressing, wah. Why is it so, so cold out here? You know, uh, wah. Why is the doctor smacking me? You know? It's like, wah, why is there blood and guts everywhere? Wah, why'd they cut the umbilical cord? You know, it's all this kind of stuff. But what the child doesn't understand is that the reason that all that's happening is for their benefit, his or her benefit. Everything, everyone, the doctor, the nurses, everybody around that baby is working for the growth of the baby. For it's been a, and, but the child doesn't understand that, and that's like you and I. When we're going through these times where our praying in the Spirit is just a groan, it's just a, ah, all I've got to cry to you, God. Now, another uh, passage that connects prayer 
and the Holy Spirit is in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And the context of this uh, passage is a prayer meeting with the disciples. And what it says there is, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Can you imagine prayer so powerful that the, the literal building just sh- was shaking uh, there? And it goes on to say, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with what? Boldness. And all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that, they, uh, uh, that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything that they had. So one of the ways that we pray in the Spirit is when we pray with boldness, the Bible says. Now, some of you know that there's this uh, Jewish word that I like, chutzpah, okay? And chutzpah means like boldness, audacity, nerve. And when you say chutzpah, you got to go like, like, like you're coughing up a loogie, right? Like you're coughing one up. And so if you're not spraying it, you're not seeing it. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, and, and one of the things that I love about this venue is that the sunlight comes behind me and it's like, you know, they just, you see me spitting all over the place when, I, when I'm talking. But what I want you to do is I want you to turn to someone next to you and I want you to say, just say, <laughs> go ahead, tell him, chutzpah. Yeah. Yeah, the clinics will be full after church today, won't it? So when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying with boldness. And so here's the thing that a lot of people don't get, is that uh, boldness for God, or chutzpah for God, is, is not necessarily meaning rudeness or obnoxiousness for God, right? Have you ever met that obnoxious Christian that at work, they didn't really want to work like they're supposed to be doing, but they wanted to preach at everybody all the time. Uh, well, well, really, that's not what we're talking about here, but when we talk about boldness, uh, uh, we're not talking about being offensive, but we're just saying, hey, you've been with Jesus, and when you spend time with Jesus, his love rubs off on you, and his love rubs off on you in such a way that you love other people so much that at the appropriate times, you want to strike up a conversation with them about Jesus and talk about him, and, uh, and people will know that you've been with him. Look at how they observe the, the disciples in Acts chapter 4. Verse 13, it says, now when they saw the what? Boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, so when you pray in the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, it doesn't matter whether you have a PhD or a GED. People will know that you love them and that love rubbed off on you from Jesus and people will be drawn to the Jesus that shines and is reflected in a bold manner through you. So praying also in the Spirit leads us towards unity, according to Acts. So praying in the Spirit is a tribal thing. That's why we get together here, and we pray together, don't we? We gather at the front. At the end of my talk, we're going to have a time where you can come to the front here and the front back there in the back room as well and pray together. Prayer is supposed to be praying in the Spirit is a tribal thing, Um, doesn't mean you don't have your private prayer time. You probably spend way more time praying in private than you do when we come and gather together, but you've got to have someone around you to hear you groan, don't you? Do you have a tribe, whether it's here at the church or, uh, you know, organized here or maybe among some others of people that you trust that you can groan and cry out to God in front of that can see your pain and your hurt? We all are designed to be tribal, to pray together, right? Now, I want to transition now from 
the other part of the teaching to a part that's a bit more controversial in some circles, and that is the gift of tongues as it relates to the Holy Spirit, okay? Years ago, I started studying this issue of tongues because I thought to myself, you know, if this is something that God wants me to do or be involved with or whatever, then I'm open to that. But at the time, I was what's called a theological cessationist. And cessationism just says that the miraculous gifts like tongues and healing and prophecy ceased with the apostles. So those are no longer around. We don't need those gifts anymore. Um, and I believe that everyone who was into tongues and healing were just really a bunch of wackos, you know, that had probably watched way too much Christian television. You know those shows on TV that, that used to freak me out a lot. I watched these shows and these dudes would be sitting on a gold throne or whatever, and those ladies on those shows wore way too much makeup. They looked like they got shot in the face with a paintball gun or something like that. And I just thought that was for, for wackos and, and such. But I want to show you one of the reasons that I believe that the miraculous gifts had ceased. And I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse 8. And it says, uh, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will what? Cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So the question is, what is the perfect there? What's it talking about, the perfect? Well, I used to believe that the perfect was the Bible and that we had a perfect revelation, so we didn't need revelations from prophecies or uh, from, from any other means, and so we didn't need these miraculous gifts anymore because we had the miraculous Bible. Um, but I've changed my mind on that. Now I believe that the perfect coming is an event, that it is the second coming of Christ. And that is why uh, a couple of verses later, the Bible says, now we know in part. Now we only see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see what? Face to face, right? We will see him face to face. And so I believe that the perfect that's coming is, uh, even though the Bible is inspired by God and great, the perfect that is coming is going to be the second coming of Jesus Christ himself, and we'll see him then face to face, and then the miraculous gifts uh, will cease. However, this took me to a place in my own journey to say, well, it's plausible that maybe those miraculous gifts could still be around and they can still be experienced. So I went to this friend of mine and I asked him, hey man, uh, tell me a book to read on this issue of tongues in this so I can understand it more. And he said, well, Doug, uh, why don't you try reading the Bible about it? And I'm like, smart, you son of a chupacabra, what are you, you know, you know I've read the, the Bible, you know, come on, get off me on that. So um, with fresh eyes, I went back to 1 Corinthians, and I looked at chapters uh, 12 and 14. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He says, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Uh, well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So what I found can be that is that praying in the Spirit and tongues can be synonymous. They can be, they can be the same thing. And what I, what I realized and what dawned on me was that the reason that many people that I was 
um, in community with at that time did not believe in the miraculous gifts is because they'd never experienced them. And so they were interpreting the Bible in light of what they had not yet experienced. And I think it's a dangerous thing for you and I to criticize something that we don't understand and that we've not yet experienced. And so this brings up a couple of questions. Do you have to pray in tongues to be a Christian? Well, the clear answer to that to me is no, you do not. The Bible teaches us real clearly in John 3 that you just simply believe. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and you welcome him into your life and then the Holy Spirit comes into you. Well, that begs a follow-up question and that is, do you have to pray in tongues to be praying in the Spirit? Well, the answer to that question is a no because remember we saw earlier that when you cry Abba, you're praying in the Spirit. When you cry and groan in just, you know, a noise that's too deep for words, uh, that's praying in the Spirit. In fact, there are many manifestations of the Spirit that we see throughout the Bible um, that are not tongues, see? So um, the reason I bring that up is because some among us may have grown up in a religious environment where it was like forced on you, like you were put in a room, and I know people in our church who were put in a room, and they were told, you need to be praying in the Spirit, and that means, for everybody, that means speaking in tongues, and if you don't speak in tongues in here, you're not getting out there. I mean, it was like timeshare sales, right? What do I have to do to put you in these tongues today? I mean, it's just, they're going to force you. They're going to get between you and the door and keep you in there. Um, some of you are shaking your heads because you, you grew up in that environment, and you know, there's a Hebrew word for that. It's like, cray-cray, okay? We, this is nutty, okay? We, we, we don't do that uh, here, but back to my story and where I was at in my search on this is that um, I came to a place where I believed that these things could, could exist for today, but I didn't know how it happened. So how do you, like if someone does start praying in the Spirit, and for, that, for them it means speaking in tongues, how does that start? I mean, does God take you like a puppet and just start, you know, make you start making these noises or whatever and give you this other language? Well, I got an answer to that question from an Episcopal priest. Um, his name is Dennis Bennett, and he wrote this book called How to Pray for the Release of the Holy Spirit. Um, and in this book, he says the gifts work kind of like when Peter was stepping out of the boat to miraculously walk on water. He says you have to step out of the boat, and then you can experience the miraculous part. So it would work this way with the other spiritual gifts. Uh, if you have the gift of teaching, you have to step out of the boat and start teaching someone and see if it works out, see if you had the gift, right? If you have the gift of giving, you have to step out and gift someone in need and see if God blesses and uses that. And then if you had the gift of, say, helps, you have to step out and help someone, serve someone, see? So in the same way with tongues, when you're in your private prayer time, he says, you can step out, start speaking in prayer, and if another language comes out, as you speak out and make the noise, then uh, you, you, you can have um, praying in the Spirit through tongues. And so I decided to try it one day. You know me. Um, so anyways, I'm sitting in my study at home privately, and I stepped out, and I started to speak, and strangely enough, um, another language came out. And I started speaking in tongues, and it wasn't because uh, some guy in a cheap suit like smacked me on the forehead or anything like that. Uh, it wasn't uh, due to pressure, but it just happened for me. And it was like a set of spiritual jumper cables uh, were placed onto me. I had a new sense of energy in my prayers during that time. Um, and I had this new sense of, uh, of encouragement in my own spirit. And that, 
that's described in 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 14, verse 4. It says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. See? So for those that are given that, um, you get strengthened personally, but it doesn't mean it's for everyone. So um, would this mean that God would want me to make everyone at church speak in tongues? Well, no. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18. It says there, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, Paul says, but in a church meeting, that's the key there, right? In a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. So if someone wants to, you know, pray in the Spirit, and for you that means praying in tongues, I would do that during the music time or the worship time when we come and gather up here. You're welcome to do that. But just like anything else, there are some people that do certain things just to draw attention to themselves, and we're not into that here. And so if someone were to stand up during a church meeting just to draw attention to themselves and, and say, well, I want to speak in tongues in front of everyone, well, the Bible tells us first we would ask, is there an interpretation for us? Does anybody have an interpretation? And if there is, we would consider and listen to that. If there was not, uh, then we would tell you politely, please sit down, and then we would pray that the fleas of a million camels would nest on your armpits. But um, <laughs> so we, 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 we don't do it that way around here. But um, everything is to be done in order, the Bible says. But I had this new gift, and to be honest with you, I didn't trust it. And I want to tell you why I didn't trust it at first. Because I know in my mind that any gift that God gives, the devil can give a counterfeit to that. And also, I had grown up in an environment where this type of thing was not practiced, right? So it was strange to me, and it was odd to me. Uh, so I test and I questioned this gift until one night, um, these concerned parents called me. And they were not interested in spiritual things at all, but their daughter had a young lady spend the night, and the young lady, and by the way, if you're new to church, this is the part that you might want to put on your, your seatbelt for. This is a little bit weird. Okay, the, the daughter's friend started like manifesting evil, like demons through her, like an exorcism kind of thing, you know? And all these deep voices were talking to like a little girl, and she's like talking in a man's voice, you know, freaks me out. I mean, I've seen, uh, never mind. Don't, don't let me start joking about, you know, ladies who have men, man voices. But um, this, this girl, she's like, like weird noises were coming out of her, and, and, uh, uh, they didn't know what to do. And since the daughter had come to my youth group, she thought, well, maybe he'll know what to do. So they called me, and I came, and I brought with me another pastor friend and a nurse friend. And when we got there, we start praying with this young lady, and she's still manifesting these demonic spirits. And so the first thing that we did was, you know, kind of like you're reading the Bible to do. It's like, in Jesus' name, be gone. And and that angered them, and it agitated them, but they wouldn't leave. And we worked through some issues that this young lady was having in her life and prayed with her about those issues. Um, but they kept manifesting through her and uh, freaking everyone out. And, you know, you could tell she wasn't at peace. And she's just, I mean, can you imagine how you would feel if demons are manifesting through you? You're like, please get them out. Please, please, whatever I got to do. And then uh, we started reading the Bible to these things, right? Reading certain passages from the Bible, and they certainly didn't like that. I mean, that really agitated them and really loosened them up. Uh, but they still didn't leave, and we prayed through some other issues. And then I had this thought, and I think it came from the Lord, is I knew from Ephesians 6, that is the armor of God passage in the Bible, right? That's the passage that shows us the weapons that we have against demonic forces in the world. And so I was thinking through that in my head, and I'll put it up on screen for you just for a second, Ephesians 6, um, 17, where it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that's a weapon, 
And then the next thing it says is pray in the what? Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. I thought to myself, could you mean, Lord, I'm supposed to pray in the Spirit like in tongues kind of thing? Because, Lord, I'm not into that. You know, my, my nurse friend's there, my other pastor friend's there, and they might think I'm weird. But I was so desperate to help this young lady because everything we tried didn't seem to work. I thought, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to try it. And I did. And when I prayed in the Spirit, that is, for me, it was tongues. The demons were cast out. The girl was sitting there calm. And my nurse friend said, Doug, this is going to be strange, but I actually understood what you were saying. You were praying a psalm of praise to God that I had read my God time last week. And all of a sudden, these parents that had experienced this, who were not open to spiritual things before, were very open at this point in the game. And I wonder if God didn't bring some of you here today to create a sense of openness in you. Because one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to draw all men to Christ, to convict the world of sin, and to point us towards Jesus. And if you sense, feel that God is drawing you to himself today, I would be doing you a great disservice if I tried to get you to pray in the Spirit in any way that we've defined it today if you don't first have the Holy Spirit on the inside. And so that's why the cross is so important is because it's through the cross. When you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, that the Holy Spirit comes into you to indwell you. So with that in mind, I think it would be appropriate for us to just bow our heads and pray now. And if you're one that would like to begin a relationship with Christ right now, right here today, you're, sense, you're sensing that he's drawing you to himself. It's like this loving Abba that cares about you more than anyone in the universe. I want you to just pray to him in your own heart and mind. Just say, God, look right now. I know I've screwed up and sinned. But the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross to pay the penalty for my sin and I welcome you into my life thank you for coming in and being my Abba Father now as we continue in an attitude of and spirit of prayer keep your heads bowed and eyes closed some of you came today you're already a believer you already have the Holy Spirit living in you but you would like some energy you would like a jolt you would like the jumper cables put on your prayer life today. And maybe you'd say, Holy Spirit, welcome to pray through me. For you, the Holy Spirit praying through you might be just when you come and kneel at the front during our prayer time and you just cry out, Abba, oh, Abba, I love you so much. Abba, here's my request. For others, you may come and pray in the Spirit with groans and you don't even have anything to say because what you're going through right now is so painful and you may just come and kneel and pray at the front and just groan, just, ah, God, that's praying in the Spirit for you. And there are still others who may come and kneel and pray and you'll say, God, I'm stepping out and I'm gonna start speaking and if you want me to have this tongues thing, I would gladly receive it. So with that in mind, However you pray in the Spirit, as we've defined it from the Bible today, I want to invite you to stand up now, so let's all stand and come and kneel and pray for some encouragement in your prayer life.
Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And we're hungry for you more and more of you, God. You've seen the prayers of your people and you've seen what your people have gone without. You've seen your people fasting and praying and asking for more of you. We want you more than any other presence in our life. And as some come today kneeling, fervently praying for healing, I pray that you would blow through here like the wind outside, blow through spirit and heal people who are hurting. I pray for people who have these wounds on the inside and they're just groaning before you. They're groaning because they're hurting so badly because of the ways they've been hurt. And Abba, Father, we cry out to you and ask you, would you come and just touch people and heal those inner wounds? Others are looking for that power and energy in their prayers. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to give us that. Blow through here and give us that energy in our prayers again. There are a few that have been believers for a while and they're just going through the motions right now of walking with God. But I pray, God, that you would breathe life into their prayers again so that it's no longer just a discipline, but they delight and we long and we enjoy and we crave those times with you and we can just come and be in your presence, God. It's not about just asking you for stuff. It's not about getting you to do stuff for us. You're not our vending machine. You're our Abba. And we long for that presence, just to be in your presence, to open our eyes to the reality of your presence among us. And when we sense your presence, it's just so all good. It's just all good. Thank you. Thank you for what many are experiencing across the room today. And for all that's taking place here and in our church, we give you credit, glory, and honor, Jesus. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Will you guys go ahead and take a seat? Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.